the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John Cappy for Thursday, June 14th. Coming up this hour, Fire Road, the Napalm Girl's journey through the horrors of war to faith, forgiveness, and peace. John Cathy's guest is the Napalm Girl, Kim Phuc. She is the girl in that famous photo from the Vietnam War. Also this hour, the Mission of Mercy Free Dental Clinic. Our guest is Daniel Patouche. Thanks for choosing us today to listen to. Here's John Hall and Kathy Evans. Hey, good afternoon, and thanks for coming along on an absolutely gorgeous Thursday afternoon here in the city of Pittsburgh. We've got a really interesting show for you. Looking forward to our, our 4.15 in just a few minutes. Kim Fook will join us. But first, let's reflect once again, Kath, on the Southern Baptist Convention, who have, like many organizations, been embroiled in a lot of controversy over the uh, hashtag MeToo movement. Mm-hmm. Well, we've talked about it a lot because I think it's an important story for the church, John, and you and I have spent so much time watching the evolution of things in the Southern Baptist Convention over the last, what, two months, yeah. maybe? Um, from the the moment, those early moments that the Paige Patterson video from 18 years ago came out that was talking about how he encouraged women who were abused to stay with their husbands and to submit um, and to simply pray for them to allegations only a few weeks ago that he heard um, young women in the seminary, two women in particular, tell him that they were raped. He said that they would he would follow through with authorities, which he never did. And then finally, I think the, the nail in his coffin career-wise was uh, an email that was revealed saying, well, before I talk to one of these young women who is alleging a rape, I want to do it on my own so that I can, quote, break her down. Right. That was the end of Paige Patterson's role in the Southern Baptist Convention. So you're watching society change. For the good, yeah, I think and you're we both watching a, a denomination change and a culture—not just change, but I think it's—I think repentance is what we are talking about. I think it's coming to grips with what um, you've done as a group and asking for forgiveness. How do you rectify right, the past and, and starting and uh, you know turning around? So yesterday there was a um, a new leadership elected to the Southern Baptist Convention. A man by the name of J.D. Greer of uh, Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, where he is a pastor of a large church. Now, the, the leadership of the Southern Baptist Convention, largely symbolic, right. but still has power and is a central figure in um, a gigantic movement. Yeah. And I don't know much about J.D. Greer other than he's 45 years old. As you said, he's a megachurch pastor. Um, he believes strongly in missions. Um, I followed him on Twitter over the last two or three days, and I really am appreciating what he's saying. Right. right. What he's saying is essential as we believers of the gospel reflect on and put into action as Christians. So he came up with a, um, 
a sort of a, a six-point plan of, of action, which essentially is this, that the Southern Baptist Convention will preach the message of the gospel, mm-hmm. right? I mean, of, of course, course, that's... More than anything else. That's core. That's central. That yeah. the Southern Baptist Convention, long awaited, there will be cultural diversity in leadership. Right. He said, as we all know, the U.S. is changing, and because of that, in order for us to be able to meet the questions and challenges that we are presented with in our society, we need perspective and we need wisdom that our members of color are bringing to us. And as believers, J.D. Greer and the Southern Baptist Convention have also pledged to re-engage in active evangelism, which also, of course, as a believer, you know how deeply important that is. Mm -hmm. But especially from on high, to have your leaders make that an important aspect of your Christian faith, you're going to talk the talk, walk the walk. You want others to be part of this movement as well. He also said that church planting is a long-term priority. It was for his church, and he said he wants to implement it across the entirety of the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah, and this is big, the mobilization of college students, because without a younger group of people leading the charge forward, the church will will essentially wither on the vine. So mm-hmm. you need youth. You need to make yourself relevant to a new a generation. So hopefully the mobilization of college students will be quickly engaged and put into action. And lastly, engagement. Uh, J.D. Greer said he hopes that the younger generations feel welcome in the conventions, just as their relatives and generations prior did, but he focused particularly on women in the church. During a Q&A forum, he was specifically asked about the role of women in the Southern Baptist Convention. And, of course, this was a an important moment based on what had been discussed for the last two months and all of the um, research that had been done, all the things that had been uncovered, all of the issues of um, of just outright unscriptural behavior right. that ha- had come to light. It was important that J.D. Greer, you know, this is the moment that he could say, this is what I believe, and this is what he said. Quote, we have to be very clear that some things are not only immoral, but they're also illegal. Talking specifically about abuse allegations, spousal abuse allegations, etc. And he said, and because they are illegal, and we as Southern Baptists who believe in the Bible, believe God gave government authority for our protection, that means we have to be safe places for women to report abuse and be immediate in reporting things to the proper authorities. Yesterday, we had a longer conversation during the five o'clock hour. Um, with a woman who has long been invested in women's rights and safety, Elaine Storkey joined us. We received some feedback from some listeners. We did. And, and it's interesting, you know, whether you, um, whether you agree or not, this is a seminal moment, uh, as, as how women are being looked at. We're turning the tide, I believe, in, in history that after, <laughs> millennial of women being oppressed and put right. down. And, and, and what we're talking about, rights for women. Yeah. Okay. We're not talking about abortion. No. We're not talking about... We're talking about basic right, human rights. Right, right. We're talking about the basic human rights of like life, liberty, freedom from abuse. That's yes. what we're talking about. So when Elaine Storkey joined us yesterday, John, she was talking about, and I'm only laughing because of the preposterous nature of the... Uh, of the, the uh, One of our emails. The emails that I'm about to read here. But she was talking about women... Across the world, she was reflecting particularly on the Congo, and then she talked about the Dominican Republic, about women who are victims of war. And their victimhood was shown in repeated rapings, um, bodily mutilations, um, absolute desecrations of their humanity. Yes. Year after year after year after year. So when Elaine Storkey talks about fighting for rights of women, 
those are the rights that she's talking about, the rights to not live like that, to not be victims of war, and to not be living at the whim of whatever man comes into your village. Exactly. So we heard from one of our listeners, Gary. He said this. Hi, John and Kathy. You lost me. I was listening to your show on the way home yesterday when the segment on patriarchy came on. First, it came out that all forms of patriarchy are evil, then that all men are evil. They all act badly toward women, except maybe John Hall, who is apparently a recovering male who had feminism forced upon him by his mother and all of his sisters. I'm tired of being confronted with the quote-unquote crime of being male. So goodbye. I will still listen to some of the other shows you run. I've been tuning into Charles Stanley during the morning drive, but not this show. Farewell, Gary. Farewell, Gary. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about the crime of being a male. We're talking about what it is to be alive in the 21st century to look at how we treat one another. Never one time did we say that all men are evil. No, no crime in being a male. And we're not trying to guilt anyone or corral anyone into a pen and you know beat them down for their supposed sins. We're just saying, look at yourself, look at society, see how we interact, male, female, together. That's all. Right. So whether we're talking about the society in the Congo or we're talking about the society in the D or we're talking about the society here. We have work to do when it comes to how genders react toward each other. And not a single time, I think, did we ever say, John, that you had feminism forced upon you <laughs> by your mother or any of your five sisters. Well, you know, you grew up with five sisters and you're in a house. Of course, <laughs> you, you had a lot of other things forced upon you. There's a lot of conversation. You know that. Did they ever give you a Tony home perm? They did not. No. Did they threaten you with a Tony uh, home perm? No, no. Although I witnessed many. <laughs> I did. Anyway, such anyway, as that. Okay, so we've lost Gary, but we're glad that you're with us today. We are, yeah. So we're going to continue talking about this because, of course, it is important. Now, let's take a break and come back. You don't want to miss this. Uh, it's we just a little... an, it's, I don't know. How many books do we read in a year? Oh. I, mean, I don't know how many books we lot. read in a year. This Say is that. one of the most amazing books. I One of the ma- most amazing stories, stories I believe I have ever heard yeah. in my life. Kim Fook is with us. She is the napalm girl. If you were alive in the early 70s, you remember this photograph of a little girl running down the road crying naked that's kim fook our guest next 101.5 word it's been said that when it comes to racial issues the culture has a sin problem not a skin problem on the next focus on the family jim daly has a candid conversation with a panel of guests in memphis tennessee they challenge the church to lead the way in bringing god's message of love to the culture That's next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Tonight at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Christian Faith Publishing helps thousands of authors publish their books with a company dedicated to strong Christian values. The most important qualities that I was looking for was a publisher who was honest and upfront. No hidden costs or fees and owning the rights to my own work. It all starts with our free author submission kit. Call 800-566-1012. We'll edit, design, Copyright Protect, print and distribute books online and in bookstores everywhere. You'll see your books in Christian bookstores, Amazon, iTunes, Barnes & Noble, and many others. If you have a biography, novel, devotional, self-help, or other inspirational work, we get it published. We provide professional book editing, award-winning design, with the highest royalty structure in the industry. Plus, you retain 100% rights to your work. Get your book published today. Call for your free author submission kit at 800-566-2. 1012. That's 800-566-1012. 800-566-1012. 
Saturday, June 23rd, Epic Leap Entertainment proudly presents Big Daddy Weed. Live at the Belmont Complex in Katanning with special guest, Citizen Way. Tickets on sale now at showclicks.com. Big Daddy Weave, 8 p.m. live. Doors open at 6 p.m. Don't miss Big Daddy Weave, June 23rd. Sponsored by JMD Waterproofing. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us. At extremetruck.net. If you're not in the club, you're missing out. Word FM Discount Shopping Club members get up to half off great deals every day, right from your computer or smartphone. Like today, score two full registration tickets to Creation Northeast June 27th through 30th at Agape Farm Mountain Union, PA for half off. That's four full days of camping and concerts, including Toby Mac, Jordan Feliz, Jeremy Camp, Mendiza, and more for just $101.50. Log on now to wordfm.com. Keyword shopping. Thanks for being with us. Think back to the United States of America in the 1960s and in the 1970s. If you can. The Vietnam War was raging. Now, the Vietnam War goes back many, many years before the American intervention. America basically entered Southeast Asia in 1961 and quickly escalated from a small group of what they would call intelligence observers to boots on the ground that numbered in the hundreds of thousands. That's the American perspective. Now, from a Vietnamese perspective, whether it's North or South Vietnam, the country was essentially inundated by troops, bombs, guns, all sorts of violence that were perpetrated on the people, mostly on the civilians. Untold numbers of civilians were killed in the war. And still to this day, in North and South Vietnam, there are still bombs that are being unearthed. It was a deeply dangerous place and you can only imagine what it would be to grow up as a child in the midst of a war our next guest kim fook is with us she has a new workout called fire road the napalm girl's journey through the horrors of war to faith forgiveness and peace now in 1972 kim fook was out with her brothers and sisters when there was a bomber coming overhead targeting the area in which she lived and napalm rained down upon kim fook she was burned severely the skin on her body shredded her and the ensuing decades of pain and change that came upon her was something that no one should have to suffer. Here to talk to us about her story as a child and a woman of faith is Kim Fook. Kim, we welcome you to the show. Thank you. <laughs> Kim, let me say first off how much John and I have just unbelievably enjoyed your book. I mean, it is a fabulous accomplishment. Thank you so much. <laughs> it is really wonderful. Okay, Kim, let's start off talking about your childhood in Vietnam and what it was like before war came to you and your accident, June 8th, 1972. Right. My, well, my life before that happened, uh, I I was really, really happy. 
every time I went home from school, uh, get into my uh, the gate of my fam of my house, I felt like princess. And, you know, like, I enjoy to climb on the tree to pick up all the fruit. My favorite fruit is guava. Mm. It's so beautiful. <laughs> and, uh, wow, um, it's just, I, I feel so good before the, uh, so peaceful. And um, I remember all the art, all that we have. Yes. Um, a lot of animals around uh, around us, and then a lot of fruit trees, and um, wow, enjoy my childhood. <laughs> yes. Now, Kim, your family was doing very well. Your mother ran a successful restaurant. Your father was a very astute businessman. You earned, owned some property surrounded, as you say, by 42 guava trees. Life yes, was good. Yes. Love it. <laughs> Talk to us yeah. about what happened when, on June 8th of 1972, airplanes came overhead as you were out in the fields with your brothers and sisters. Right. When the, um, we hiding in the temple, it means the Taudai religion. It's there so with the South Vietnamese soldiers. Then um, they saw the color mark drop inside of the temple. That means they dedicated the temple was going to be bombed. Then um, they called the children. You have to run out of this place. It's not safe. And so they asked the children, run. And uh, then I remember I was one of them. We ran out of the temple and just in the front of the temple and I saw the airplane it's so fast toward me then so loud and I saw wow the four bombs landing down and then I heard the noise like that then, wow, the fire was everywhere around me. And, of course, my clothes was burned by the fire. And I saw the fire over on my left arm. And I used my right hand. I wrapped it up. Then I thought, oh, my goodness. I got burned, so I will be ugly, so people will see me different way. I was so terrified. Yes. Then I ran out of that fire, and I saw my brothers, I saw my cousin, and some soldiers there, and we kept running and running until I was so tired to run anymore. I stopped. I saw so many people on the street, and so I just cried out too hot, too hot. And I remember one of the soldiers gave me some water to drink, and 
because he tried to help me, he poured the water over my body, my skin, and at that moment, wow, I get, you know, I get passed out. I didn't know anything else. Water boils at 212 degrees. It's estimated that the um, the temperature of napalm coming down, raining down on uh, vegetation and people may exceed 5,000 degrees. So when this yeah. napalm hit your skin, you essentially boiled from the outside and the napalm made its way inside of your body. So your yeah. or, your organs, your skin, they were on fire and this water that was given to you as an act of kindness had the complete and total opposite effect because it ignited the fire deeper inside your body. Right, but you know, at that moment they tried to help me. Sure. No one realized that what happened. But for me, I look at that, you know, like I feel, I feel like so bad. But for me, I feel like oh, that is a good thing because I pass out. I, I didn't remember anything. That has helped me for that because if how I don't know how this is so bad if I just know how much the pain come down with right. that. What Kim, it's in, what's interesting is that as you were just hit with the napalm and you're running, trying to escape the pain, your first thought, as you write in Fire Road, is that I am ugly now. Talk about that, about the sense of beauty in Vietnamese life. Wow, yes. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's... Uh, the woman, uh, mostly the culture in Vietnam. Um, I think is I saw my mom. She really uh, worked so hard, and she so cared about her hair, her face, her skin. And I said, "Oh, I look at that so ugly," and I feel so I terrified at that moment. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And somehow that thought with you about your ugliness that instilled in you the thought that you were somehow unfit to be loved. Exactly. Unfit to be loved. It's so sad when as a little child, I knew it at that moment. Yeah. Kim, without meeting you, uh, tens, hundreds of millions of people know who you are because we've all seen the very famous photograph of you that was taken by a man you named Uncle Oot, uh, Nick Oot. So at that, at that moment that the napalm was burning your skin, um, Nick Oot was there with a camera. Can you talk about that moment? Right. I, I didn't know he was there. I didn't know that my picture was taken at that moment. As a child, I, I after I got burned, I kept running and running, and I I I I end up in the hospital. Then you know my life too long in the hospital, and I I I saw that picture as the first time when I came home hmm. after the 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 hospitalized. Then my dad called out, "Oh, that is your picture, Kim." So, 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 the, so the photographs Nick Oot took are the only memories you have of those moments. Yeah, I I didn't know that. Okay, so after that, when I came home, then I remember 
my my dad showed me, this is your picture. And I looked at that picture. I said, oh, no. Wow. I was so ugly. <laughs> you know, I didn't want that. Uh, but I have to accept that is my brother's and my cousin in my picture. And then it's real. I got burned. Yeah, that I remember. But when I, I thought, wow, right now, the moment he took my picture. But then, oh, later on, uh, Uncle Oud uh, told me what happened next. Because I didn't remember uh, when I passed out what happened next. Then he told me after he took the picture, and then he took me to the nearest hospital and he dropped me there. He fight with the people, get me in and uh, he went to the dark room to envelope uh, to uh, to make the, the, the picture and so he saw my picture and then he went back to my village for the next day and what going on and then I said, wow, Uncle Ud, he he is my hero because you know the napalm didn't know who who you are, and it's so dangerous. He was right there. It's so close, and he took my picture. Not only he he did his job, but he did extra work. Yes. He took me. He dropped me to the hospital. That he saved my life. He did save your life. We're talking with Kim Fook. She is the author of Fire Road, the Napalm Girl's Journey Through the Horrors of War to Faith, Forgiveness, and Peace. Nick Oot took that photograph on June 8th of 1972. The following day, the photograph of Kim Fook is a little girl running naked down a road in South Vietnam. South Vietnam. It shook the world as it was reproduced in hundreds of newspapers, magazines across the world. It essentially put an exclamation point on the horrors of the Vietnam world. And people who may have been supportive of the Vietnam War up to that point had to pause and reconsider what they thought of war as they saw a child burned deeply and what that would mean for her, for her family, for her country. We'll take a quick break and talk about Kim Fook and her lead and her faith to find Jesus Christ in this broken and dangerous world. Stay with us. Kim Fook, the fire road girl, the napalm girl, and her story continues here on Word FM. You know the moment. The homework and dishes are done. Your family responsibilities have been met. The shoes slip off and you lay back. It's that end of day. (sighs) That's the relief you'll feel when you rest on the body-comforting orthopedic made locally at the original Mattress Factory. Relief from middleman markups and a hard day's work. The original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made. Honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com When working at a growing business, you wear many hats. The new business hat. The buying toner for the copy machine hat. The sifting through tons of resumes hat. You can throw away that last hat thanks to Indeed.com. When posting your job, Indeed lets you add screener questions that give you a less time-consuming route to your short list of qualified candidates. So go ahead, dust off that extra-long lunch hat. Hiring's better when you've got your short list. Save time on hiring when you post a job on Indeed. 
Get started today at Indeed.com slash hire. The nation's largest Christian music festival, Creation Northeast, celebrating its 40th anniversary, returns to Agape Farm in Mount Union, Pennsylvania, June 27th through the 30th, featuring Toby Bath, Fort King and Country, Jeremy Camp, Bethel Music, Mandisa, Hillsong Young and Free, Jordan Feliz, a special reunion of classic Petra and more, plus speakers Tony Nolan, Reed Saunders, Keith Adams, Abdu Murray, Vince Vitale, and more. Join thousands of believers at Creation Northeast. It will be the highlight of your summer, maybe your life. More info at creationfest.com. This Father's Day, Rockwell Tools makes it easy to find the perfect gift for Dad. The Sonic Crafter Multi-Tool is the world's most versatile tool and a must-have for Dad. Its duotech oscillation technology gives Dad the power to slice through virtually anything. Visit sonicrafter.com or your local Lowe's to learn more. With high pressure and control, skies mainly clear tonight, a low of 56, setting up another comfortable day tomorrow with low humidity, mostly sunny, a high of 80. Partly sunny Saturday, a high of 82, then hot and humid starting Sunday. Partly sunny, we can see a spotty afternoon thunderstorm in the laurels, a high of 90. Hot and humid Monday with sun and some clouds again, an afternoon shower or thunderstorm possible in the laurels with a high of 92. I'm Mackie Weather Meteorologist Steve Travis on 101.5 Word FM. There's a Pulitzer Prize winning photograph of a little girl a Vietnamese girl running down the road, crying, naked, surrounded by other little children and soldiers as well. It was a photograph that shook the the nature of this world in its brutality, the, the horror of children being crushed by war. Kim Fook is the girl in that Pulitzer Prize-winning photograph from 1972. She's with us live today. Her book is called Fire Road, the Napalm Girl's Journey Through the Horrors of War to Faith, Forgiveness, and Peace. Kim, a day after um, the horrors that were inflicted on you, you woke up in a morgue because they thought that you were dead. Um, And then you spent over a year in recovery in multiple surgeries in the hospital. Um, Can you talk about that year in your life? Well, actually, you know, as a child, and I learned so much about story, about my story from the doctor, from my mom. I'm just amazed. How can I survive? And um, so... I remember the time I was in the hospital. Well, I wish my memory not come back that soon, but I I remember every day at 8 o'clock, the nurses came and put me in the burn bath. And uh, in the burn bath, put some ingredients that is make make it easy to cut my all my death skin off. It's so painful. It is alive. And I remember when I couldn't stand any longer. I couldn't, you know, bear the pain any longer. I just pass out. And I remember one time my sister came to visit me on the same time that I taking the bath, burn bath. She fainted. Wow, she couldn't she couldn't see that how much I suffered. Mm. That is every day. But you know, I see that moment. <laughs> but now I look back and so I'm so thankful. 
because they have to do that. They cut all my dead skin off. If not, it's so easy to cut infection, and I will die. Because uh, the surface of all the, the part of burn in my body is so big. And then, and then that have, they have to do that to me. And I looked at, at the child. When I have too much pain, I get cry. I didn't think of much as a teenager. And I thought everybody, you know, the same. And I, I feel like, okay, that's fine. Because every child, every people around me have something, and then they end up in, in that place. Yes. And so I thought it's a, just a normal life for me mm-hmm. uh, in the hospital. And whenever, uh, when I, whenever I need help, doctors and nurses, they would there and ready i i need them and then they were there for me it is so that is i remember my chai uh, the time in the hospital kim fook is with us so kim 46 years ago 1972 you were burned more than 30 percent of your body internally your organs were also scorched what what is it like now after those 46 years clearly you suffer long-term health effects right Yes, sir, yes. I I really still, unfortunately, I still have the pain. Uh, I think because my scar is too deep, and um, yes, it's affected my health until now. So uh, the last three years, I got the laser treatment to help, um, to help me to ease uh, my pain. And I continue to do that. Uh, actually, uh, June, uh, last June, this is uh, coming up. I I will do that again uh, mm. one more time. So uh, we have to fly to Miami for another laser treatment. Kim, how many surgeries have you had since that day in 1972? Um, actually, in the hospital at that time, 16 times. Then in 1982, I had another one in Germany, and then I went to 10 laser treatment. That's all the treatment I had. We need to take a quick break. But, Kim, when we come back, we'd like to talk about your faith journey. You talk early on in Fire Road that you believe that there has been a divine underpinning to your story. Let's open that up a little bit, from the smorgasbord theology of your youth to you finding life in Jesus Christ. Kim Fook, her book is called Fire Road, The Napalm Girl's Journey. Straight ahead. 101.5 WORD. There are times when we all wonder where God is, and it's usually during our greatest trials. Job is a perfect example. He turned to his friends for help and comfort, but they had none. And so he asked, God, where are you, and why are you letting me suffer like this? But as Dr. J. Vernon McGee will illustrate this week on Through the Bible Radio, sometimes God doesn't arrive until all human efforts have proven futile. Through the Bible, this evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. If credit card debt has you down, nonprofit Trinity Debt Management can help. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment. 
put a stop to late fees and drastically reduce your interest. You'll pay thousands less than you originally owed. It's not a loan. It's a way to become debt-free and possibly improve your credit score. So call Trinity and talk to a certified counselor. They'll explain their proven program to you with no pressure, just practical solutions and hope for tomorrow. Are you ready to pay off your credit cards in less time for less money? Then call for a free no-obligation debt analysis and become debt-free for keeps. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Gather up your bills and call this toll-free number for a free no-obligation debt analysis. Call 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. 1-800-990-6976. Do you have a retirement account worth more than $100,000? Pay very close attention to what I'm about to tell you. Gold is a better way. Gold, it's better. Better way to protect your retirement? A better way to grow your retirement and better than everything you're currently doing inside your retirement account. My name is Adam Barada. I'm the founder of goldisabetterway.com and I'm so certain gold is going higher in price and going to outperform stocks and bonds. I've created the world's first gold retirement protection platform ever built. If you have an IRA or 401k, I want to give you free access. Once you see this, you'll have no choice but to agree and all you need to do is call for your special code. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. On a recorded line, you'll get a special code. You can join the site for free. No salespeople, no rigmarole. Just call 800-900-8000. Get your code. Get it now. Gold is a better way. Gold is a better way. Gold is a better way.com. On the streets of Miami, speed is the law. So when a corn dog goes after the wrong girl. Oh, Harper. One man will bring her Tums Ultra Strength. I'm on my way. Don't get wrecked by heartburn. Nothing works faster than Tums. Your mustard's fast, but my Tums are faster. And with Tums on the go rules, it's never been easier to leave heartburn behind. You did it. Yeah. You gonna finish that corn dog? Tums Ultra Strength, available in a store near you. An eight-year-old girl in third grade in 1972... Her body set aflame by napalm. She's known as the napalm girl. Kim Fook is with us. Her brand new book is called Fire Road. Kim, you survived against all odds, um, spending over a year in the hospital, multiple surgeries. Um, and then after the U.S. pulled out of Vietnam and the war was over, uh, you found yourself trying to stay in school. Your passion, of course, to become a physician, to be a pediatrician in particular. But it turned out that the Vietnamese government had different plans for you. Can you talk about how you became an agent of the Vietnamese government? Well, because they discovered me, I was that little girl in the famous picture. So, unfortunately, at that time, I just got into medicine school. Then they, like you say, they have a, you know, they pulled me out uh, for the um, foreign journalists, uh, for the propaganda uh, interviews. So... Wow, they interfere my school time, and eventually I was under control. Then I my they cut short my study, and I couldn't go to school anymore. That is a really low point in my life. It's very sad. Yeah. And and the government was asking you to do what? 
to do a lot of interview for the foreign journalists, uh, filming uh, all over the world. They came to Vietnam. They wanted to interview that vertigo. <laughs> mm-hmm. And your and your role was to speak against the United States. Uh, actually, at that time, I just speak Vietnamese. So all the interview, there were. Uh, translation, right? Yes, translation. Mm-hmm. And so I, I say, um, depend on the question uh, from the journalist I- interviewer, but I have no idea what they they talk. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I just say whatever that the depend on the question. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so the government. But, so the government agents were making up your responses to suit whatever the government wished that you would have said? Of course. (laughs) I have no idea at that time. Right. Yeah. So, Kim, talk to us about your faith journey. You talk early on in Fire Road that you believe that there was a divine underpinning, that you do believe there's a divine underpinning to your story. You, of course, did not grow up as a Christian in Vietnam. Uh, You and your family, you went to the temple, and it was kind of like pray to the spinning wheel of the deity of your choice in some ways, yes? Right. I was raised in the Cao Dai religion, and um, I I pray to many gods as they name on the list, and uh, uh, that is how I believe. But then when the, the, the another uh, tragedy come into my life and I didn't know what I had to do, it is so so hard for me. Um, as a teenager, I thought a lot. I try to do my best. Uh, I I want to complete my study. I I I want to do something to help people, like people help me, just like all the doctors and nurses uh, I have met in the hospital. So. What's going on right now? I couldn't go to school anymore. What I have to do? And so I I had so many, many questions. Why me? Why that happened to me over and over again? I have to why I have to suffer. Yeah, and and that moment, uh the the circumstances like that is build me up with all the hatred bitterness and anger. I have so many questions and then I really wanted to find a purpose for my life. Why I still alive mm-hmm. and and I'm so thankful that I found it. When I couldn't go to school um in in that time, so I spent my days time in a library searching uh, for the truth, for the purpose, yeah. for my answer. And I poured out so many uh, religious books in, in in that place, in the library. <laughs> and among the books that I had read is uh, the Bible, the New Testament. And when I read, the more I read, the more question I had, because it's totally different from my religion originally. And when I read John fourteen six, 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. I was so confused and wonder what was true. And then, um, you know, like, wow, the more question I had, I just want to have the answer. And during that time, I living with my sister family and my brother's cousin. Uh, my brother-in-law had a cousin. He was a Christian. Then I had a chance um, to ask him when he visited uh, my sister family. And he tried to explain to me everything, but uh, I couldn't believe in, you know, what he answered. Yeah. But, yeah, but then he invited me to go to the church, and I went to the church. I'm glad I went. Hmm. Then I heard the message in Christmas time. Then after he explained why we celebrate Christmas, then uh, he explained because of Jesus, the baby came to the world, and uh, he's just not either a man, you know, like a God-man, and he died on the cross to pay for our sins. If anyone opened his heart to Jesus, Jesus will come in to bring peace and remove all the burden. That word, that is a really touch my heart because I really seeking peace and I really need someone come into my life to take away my burdens. So after invitation, I really wanted to, you know, to go forward and open my heart to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. That is a really, really amazing turning point in my life. When I I get stopped to pray too many gods as before, and I just pray one God, our Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ. And that moment, wow, it's just so wonderful. I know that I have peace. The more I pray, the more peace I have. And I know there's a right thing to do. And I continue to pray. God gave me the wisdom. God gave me peace and joy and move on. And, and a, a lot of lesson I learned follow it is the most important thing that I learned how to love my enemies, how I forgive them. Because in the, in the Bible, tell me, love your enemies, do good to them. And at the beginning, I was really struggle. How can I love them? That is the, because all my suffering, how can I love them? But then, wow, I, I, I just saw when Jesus suffered, and he just didn't do anything but pray. He prayed for the people who caused his death. Pain. And he say, Father, forgive them. But they're doing what they don't know what they're doing. I say, wow, that is a great, great picture, great example for me. 
And I started to pray, God, I cannot do it, but you can do impossible thing in my life. And I started to pray, God, you have the power to change my life, and please help me to learn to forgive, to love my enemies. And I practicing uh, doing, you know, the, the way that I, I have to do in my side. Lord, help me. And I just imagine a full picture as like the, the black coffee cup. And then I have to do my part. I pour the black coffee out. I pour out all my hate every day at the, a little bit at the time. When I poured out all of my hatred, bitterness, and anger, and loss, and pain, until my cup became empty, then God helped with His mercy, His grace. He refilled my cup with light, with hope, and with, with patience, love, understanding, and forgiveness. That I have to practice myself every day. And I started to, you know, with my, my enemy list, now it became my prayer list. Even though I don't know, I didn't know their name specifically, but I can put, for example, the pilot who dropped the bomb, the man who controlling me, uh, everyone who caused my suffering. Then I started to pray for them. The beginning, uh, it, it was so hard, but then I could keep doing and doing. Eventually, wow. Kim, thank you so much. It's been, for Kathy and I, a privilege to speak with you. We uh, greatly appreciate your time here to think about all the suffering you've endured uh, all of that, and then you find the peace and the grace and the forgiveness, the love of Jesus Christ. We thank you for being that vessel and for delivering your message here to our audience today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. God bless. <laughs> God bless to you. Kim Fook, the author of Fire Road, The Napalm Girl's Journey Through the Horrors of War to Faith, Forgiveness, and Peace. If you're paying too much for your health insurance, listen carefully. Due to recent changes in the law, you could be overpaying $500 or more per month on your health care. There are new, more affordable health care options with better coverage. These plans are exempt from the Affordable Care Act and now open to everyone. Health care options with better benefits, costing 30 to 60% less than Obamacare plans and giving you the freedom to see almost any doctor or hospital in the country. Forbes calls this the health care plan that is saving families $20,000 a year. And over 1 million Americans have already taken advantage of this game-changing health care program. Call 800-239-7174 now to find out how much you'll save. Employers, you too can save 50% or more on group medical insurance with health sharing. Our licensed advisors can take away all the stress of finding the right plan for your needs and budget. Best of all, our service is free. This one call could be the best decision you make this year, so don't delay. Call now to see how much you can save. For your free quote, call 800-239-7174. That's 800-239-7174. 800-239-7174. 
before. You don't know when your AC unit will call it quits, but you can rest assured it'll be at the most inconvenient time possible. And who has all day to wait around for a tech to arrive? With Ventech, there is no waiting around, including evenings and weekends. Ventech will repair and replace forced air, central AC, and even offers split mini-duct units to heat and cool individual rooms. With flat rate pricing instead of hourly fees, clean, courteous, convenient, and A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. Ventech, 412-793-0661. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for being with us. Every year, there is a Mission of Mercy free dental clinic. Daniel Patooch is with us, Dr. Daniel Patooch, to talk to us about the uh, the Mission of Mercy. Doctor, welcome to the air today. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, thanks. Say, this is what you're doing is just so fabulous for the community. Lay this out, the particulars, about who you serve and why. Well, uh, the Mission of Mercy is something that a lot of states and a lot of cities hold. Um, In Pennsylvania, it um, moves around from city to city, and we hosted three years ago in Pittsburgh, and um, the outpour of support in Pittsburgh was so great that we were actually able to uh, establish a mission of mercy in Pittsburgh that we hold annually just in Pittsburgh. And basically, the mission serves to take care of anybody who has... um, uh, financial difficulty or lack of insurance to get dental care. Um, we know that in our region, um, um, just in uh, the UPMC um, central hospitals, there's 3,000 admissions or visits to the uh, emergency room for dental-related problems per year. Wow. And that doesn't take into account um, uh, other UPMC hospitals in the city as well as uh, Allegheny General or West Penn or the other hospitals. So it's, um, it's a, a big population that uh, really can't get access to a dentist. They develop uh, decay. They start having uh, toothaches, pain, abscesses, and other problems because the minor problems weren't addressed because of a lack of uh, access to care. And then um, when they're in trouble, they go to the emergency room. And that's really not the way this uh, care should be provided. The emergency room really isn't equipped to uh, definitively care uh, for dental problems. The uh, folks there can get somebody out of pain temporarily. They can provide them with an antibiotic. Sure. Um, they can admit them if they're, you know, in, in a lot of trouble, which sometimes does occur. Uh, but ultimately, the um, the teeth don't get fixed there. I see. So on the Mission of Mercy, the free dental clinic, you're going to come in and essentially you're going to talk about good dental care and provide free care for people who are in the midst of suffering or people who just need some little corrective help, yes? That's right. Everything from a cleaning to um, extractions to... Um, even uh, partial dentures will be made there. Nice. So tell us, please, the, the dates and the times, and how can people be part of this? Do they have to sign up? Yes. So there's a website. It's www.mompgh.org if you want to volunteer and be part of it. But if you're in need of care, all you have to do is come to uh, PPG Paints Arena on the last Friday or Saturday of the month. Um nice. This month. So it's going to be hosted at PPG Paints Arena. It's open to anybody that it comes. I would recommend that you come earlier because uh, last year we had to cut the line short. Uh, we had so many people that showed up. 
we weren't able to provide care for everybody that came late. I see. So, so this last Friday and Saturday of the month of June, the Mission of Mercy Free Dental Clinic at PPG Paints Arena. We'll post information about this on our Facebook page, The Ride Home with John and Kathy. And Dr. Patutz, thank you so much. We greatly appreciate all the work that you're doing to help those in great need. Oh, and thank you for your great work. Have a great day. Thank you, sir. Daniel Patucci, MD, Mission of Mercy, Free Dental Clinic. Like I said, we're going to post information on our Facebook page the last Friday and Saturday of the month of June. Take care of those good teeth. They'll take care of you. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. The Inspector General's report is out on the way the Justice Department handled the Clinton email investigation. The report says former FBI Director James Comey was insubordinate in his handling of the Clinton probe during the 2016 presidential election. The report also concluded there was no evidence that Comey was motivated by political bias. But Matt Staver, president of Liberty Council, tells the Salem Radio Network the investigation into Comey is deeply troubling. He obviously created several violations of procedure and protocol and also compromised national security by using his private email account to conduct FBI business. The findings provide no conclusions to support either Republicans or Democrats who want to claim total vindication. On Wall Street, they're down by 25 points, but the Nasdaq rose 65, the S&P advanced 6. This is SRNU. Hey, Daddy-O, Pap, Pop, Father, Daddy, or whatever you call that special man, it's time to gather him up and head on out to the Springhouse for our annual Father's Day Steak and Chicken Fry. That's right, steak and chicken. Both marinated and cooked to perfection over an open pit outdoors. And to complete this great Dad's Day meal, we're making baked mashed potatoes, Ed's green beans, corn pudding, Alabama casserole, Dutch greens, homemade rolls, rice pudding, blondies, brownies, and of course all of our Springhouse drinks featuring our famous chocolate milk. That's right, you can't beat it. There will be live music and inside and outside seating and a free ice cream cone for every dad. Come to the Springhouse to treat your dad to a special day. Call 228-3339 for more details. The following is a true story. My name is David Bryant. When I was 37, my wife and I decided to get term life insurance through SelectQuote. Just three years later, I was diagnosed with ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Because of life insurance, the people I love most in this world will be protected no matter what happens to me. I know that the dreams I have for my family can still come true. Financial security, to stay in the home we became a family in, and for our children to be able to go to college. I reached out to SelectQuote because I wanted to share my story. If just one person purchases life insurance, I know I will have made a difference. SelectQuote can find a 37-year-old male a $500,000 policy for under a dollar a day. If there are people you care about, you need life insurance. It may be the single most important financial decision of your life. Don't put off protecting your family. Get your free quote now. Call 800 That's 800-671-7070. 800-671-7070. Or go to selectquote.com. This is a paid endorsement. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Not available in all states.
Hi, Tom Bodette. Motel 6 is still the place to save money as you travel down the highway. Or, for you Californians, the freeway. Whether you're on a cross-country trek on Interstate 10 or a fun jaunt up State Route 1, a.k.a. the 10 or the PCH, there's probably one of our more than 1,400 locations right down the road. Or for Californians, just over the hill. But it's rush hour, so I'd take the canyon. I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Today's world craves leaders. Leaders with vision, moral character, and independent thinking. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And since 1986, Rama Christian School in Moon has laid the foundation that makes leaders. Through academic and extracurricular activities designed to be as instructional as they are competitive, through mission and service opportunities, arts and athletics, an independent school where pre-K through 8th grade students are formed to become the independent leaders of tomorrow. Schedule a tour at ramachristianschool.org. With high pressure and control, skies mainly clear tonight, a low of 56, setting up another comfortable day tomorrow with low humidity, mostly sunny, a high of 80. Partly sunny Saturday, a high of 82, then hot and humid starting Sunday. Partly sunny, we can see a spotty afternoon thunderstorm in the laurels, a high of 90. Hot and humid Monday with sun and some clouds again. An afternoon shower or thunderstorm possible in the laurels with a high of 92. Mackie Weather Meteorologist Steve Travis on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy for Thursday, June 14th. Coming up this hour, religious people live longer than atheists. John and Kathy will talk about that in a few minutes. And communal reading in the time of Jesus, a window into early Christian reading practices. Our guest, Brian J. Wright. John and Kathy read a lot, so you don't have to. Here they are now. We're happy to do so. I'm happy to read. Very much so. I think it's good. Do you have a um, Do you have a reading light at home? I can't believe you asked that. Why? I've been longing for one. Oh, I have one. I, I, look how you say that. Well, I need, show off. Mike, of, he's showing off. I have one out of necessity. Oh, because this is such a dark room. No, because of my aging eyeballs. Oh. I'm not not. I'm not oh. trying to show off. Oh, okay. I'm just talking about my condition. Oh, sure, you know, I understand. As you age out a little bit, mm-hmm. I've got this light that, um, you know, it's like one of these little sort of. Small lights. I, I've like you know, got a lamp next to me. Mm-hmm. But then now, as I read, mm-hmm. I take this light and I put it almost on top of the page. Okay, and it shines the bright light, and I'm able to read. Oh, that's good. Which is a, a, just something kind of happened to me. Like they flicked the switch, and all of a sudden, I became what? My my, my eyesight. I was going to say I became dim, but <laughs> that's apparent every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I was just last night thinking of. Hmm, you need a light. Is, well, I just like. I'm a little fussy about lamps. Yeah. Okay. You mean the, the decor of the yes. lamp or yes. the lighting itself? Yes. I have a bias against any new lamp. I only buy Use old lamps. lamps. Used mm. lamps. I, get that. I I like lamps that are a good minimum, a good 40 years old. Holy smokes. I'll go older than that if really? I can. But yeah, because lamps that were made 40 years ago are so oh, yeah. much better than lamps that are made now. So anyway, I'm always on the lookout for lamps. Um and what I have done for the last decade plus is I would find a lamp at a yard sale or at a used place or an antique shop or whatever, and I would take it to my friend Joe, Joe Saccone, at uh, North Hills Sales and Service on Route 19 in Perrysville, the North Hills. What is he? Um, Joe has run the, ran the shop for maybe, I don't know, 50 years, and he's just was Mr. Fix-It. 
Oh, really? So he would take an old lamp, right. rewire it, right. make Mem- it fresh. Remember that lamp, that chandelier that you gave me? Oh, uh, yeah, I did. Right. So this is what I did. So every every single lamp in my house I have purchased from some some you know locations. Yeah. It's, it's an old lamp, and I took it to Joe and had him rewire it. And two weeks ago, Joe passed away. Oh. And I got to be honest with you. I'm so sad about it. Yeah. I mean, I was just looking at my lamp last night. I shut it off before I went to bed, and I thought of Joe, and I thought, oh, I don't have anybody to fix my lamp, you know, yeah, to rewire yeah. it. Right. You know, you buy a lamp that's 50 years old. You can't just plug it in no, if you, no, you no. want to live. You need someone with a skill. <laughs> right. So you need someone who's going to say, you know what? I think we should, like, rewire that so we don't burn our house down. Yeah. Anyway, Joe was the man who always did that for me. And he passed away. Yeah. So last night I was thinking about needing a reading lamp, and I thought, okay, I really would like to find a nice brass reading lamp, and then I thought, hmm. But now I miss Joe. Maybe somebody else is out there. Yes, somebody that who would makes be wonderful. This, right? this but is... no, there will never be anyone like Joe. No, of course not. He's no. irreplaceable. Well, he's done work for me as well. Yes, he has. Yeah. Yeah. So rest in peace, Joe. All right. Well, I got nothing on that. Yeah, I know. I wasn't even planning on talking about Joe, but you brought up reading lamps, and then okay. I just, he's all the only person I could think of. Okay. Hey, well, speaking of reading, yeah. we're going to talk next. About reading aloud. Yeah. And not alone, but together. Did you love... Whenever I was in in grade school, we did this, and I, they did this. Whenever we were in grade school, uh, we started the class, the reading class, with the person in the first desk in the first row reading a paragraph, and then you went down the line and mm-hmm. around the room. Mm-hmm. I loved that right. so much. Well, so did I. And look at what we ended up doing with right. our lives. I'm sure there were people that hated that. What I would do is I would count ahead how many people were in front of me, and then I would skip ahead to my paragraph. And practice it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd be ready to roll with the best reading possible. Uh, that was before you started doing voiceovers for a living. <laughs> it's always a pleasure. We're going to talk about reading the Bible out loud, communal reading in the time of Jesus, a window into early Christian reading practices. That's next here on The Ride Home. WORD. Next time on PowerPoint with Jack Cram. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And Jesus' dad wants more out of you, more than just being a fan of Jesus, but to be a follower of Jesus, to commit your life to Jesus. Tune in next time for PowerPoint with Jack Cram. PowerPoint tonight at 9.30 on 101.5 WORD. Brianna was diagnosed with visual and auditory processing disorder and dyslexia. When she wouldn't have the success she was looking for, you could just see her kind of going into her shell, trying to take what was in her mind and get it to paper. Just that connection just wasn't there. The assessment showed me that there was actually more of a struggle there than even we were aware of. Brain Balance gave Brianna the tools to succeed. She's in class, she's actually raising her hand and she She's interacting and not afraid to, okay, if I make a mistake, that's okay, but I'm going to keep trying. She's like, I know I struggled, but they were right there to tell me, keep going, keep trying. Her academics have increased beyond any of our expectations. Her teachers are amazed. They're just amazed. This is a great program. It's helped my child beyond measure. Help your child achieve success all summer long. Call Brain Balance today and get a jump start on your child's next school year. Make a real difference in the life of your child and your family. Call today, 724-390-9012. You're a do-it-yourselfer. A backyard shed for your extra stuff? How hard could it be? 
Until you realize that basic package from the home store doesn't include the shingles. Or the paint, the floors, the ventilation. There's even a charge to cut the lumber. At Yoder's Backyard Structures, you get all that. Plus, on-site consultation. A structure built to last, delivered fully assembled and placed free, ready to use with a 10-year warranty. So you can do it yourself or do it with Yoder's. Yoder'sBackyard.com Perhaps you've heard, Insight for Living needs your partnership to meet an urgent need. If everyone who benefits from Insight for Living Ministries pitched in and did their part, we would readily take care of the shortfall. So let me thank you in advance for generously investing. The deadline is June 30th. To respond with a donation right now, call 800-772-8888 or go online to insight.org. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us. At extremetruck.net. I get this warm feeling every single time we have special needs patients in our office. Their needs are not that different from anybody else. Spending the time with that patient is very rewarding to me. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. When's the last time you sat and read your Bible out loud? Out loud. I would imagine it's not practiced often, at least not in my own life. I'll just cop to that right front front and foremost, right? First and foremost, that I don't do it often. But when I do, I mean, I knew our guest was going to join us here. Brian Wright is with us, and he's going to talk about communal reading. So over the last couple of days, as I spent time with my Bible, I thought, well, even though I'm by myself, I'm going to read out loud. That's not communal. No. You communing with yourself. Yes, I was. I okay. just I wanted to hear the words out yeah, loud. Yeah, yeah. That's that's so valuable. It is. So to think about how early Christians learned their Bible, knew their Bible, they did it in such a way that they sat together in a group and someone read out loud. Perhaps they took turns. Brian Wright is with us. His newest work is called Communal Reading in the Time of Jesus, A Window into Early Christian Reading Practices. Brian, welcome to the show. How are you today? Good. Doing well. Thanks for having me, and it's uh, good to be with you all. Yeah, we're happy to have you. Okay, Brian, what did this communal reading look like in Jesus' day? Okay, well, it it certainly took on many different forms. Um, You know, there could be informal settings where it was just friends sharing literature in private homes or even apartments. Uh, it could be formal venues where public figures are at a theater or an auditorium. Uh, they could be religious. It could be in a synagogue or at a church or in a temple. It could be you know, non-religious at all. It could be just in a school, a courtroom, a marketplace. So, uh, But basically just all sorts of people were reading in all sorts of places. Yeah. So what was that like? Um, people mostly, I'm sure, were illiterate. So the idea of hearing the Bible read, the true Bible read, it had to have – I mean – even when you read the Bible to yourself, it's totally different than reading it out loud. People had to be shocked and amazed by what they were hearing. Well, uh, actually, I would I would already pause and hesitate and say, you know, the the current assumption right now is that um, everybody was illiterate back then. But but I think actually there's a growing amount of scholarship that's showing that that's uh, probably not the case. Really? And so 
there's a number of um, you know studies that are that are challenging that notion and that have come about. And, and I'd even say what was most surprising to me as I was doing the study for this uh, was to see how many people were participating in this. And so it wasn't just one person in the town could read and everybody would gather around that one person and hear him or her read. It, it was much more pervasive than that. Um, actually, right before the publication of my book, I posted a, a quiz online through a seminary just called How Much Do You Know About Ancient Book Culture? And I was very surprised that over a thousand scholars, pastors, students uh, took it, and the highest score was, in, was about in the 70s. Wow. And it was actually by a well-known scholar. He sent me an email and said, uh, I was very you know, uh, um, taken back by your, your uh, questionnaire and, and was you know, excited about reading your book. And you know, because I think a lot of people aren't aware of how much was going on in the first century. Um, mm. We might think there was uh, not a lot going on, but, you know, as I even had fun in the quiz, was noting things on even before, during, and after the time of Jesus. Um, talk about the Roman government publishing and distributing a news publication for the general public um, that contained advertisements, news stories, financial records, um, or when you see some of the things of who all was involved, uh, there was many literary contests. And so I've even uh, written another publication talking about an 11-year-old boy that wins this poetry contest in the first century. Um, so there, there was a number of things going on, and I think that's what, what people are missing is, is thinking there wasn't much going on in the first century, but, th- there's, but there, there simply is a lot. I see. So what did this look like? Was there you know, sort of a, a town square, a library, a central meeting place I where mean, this book, communal reading was going on all the clubs? time? Correct. And so a lot of the accounts, and, and I list a number of them in my book, you know, like so uh, – some of these first century authors would, and some of them are quite humorous. I mean, even think, so for example, uh, Marshall would be someone who said how annoying it was to hear people reading everywhere to everyone, even while one time he was in a public bathroom. Um, you have those even in, uh, you know, during the time of Nero, and they would go to these public recitations, and some women would fake going into labor in order to leave them uh, if they were bad. <laughs> and so uh, you have, so, so there was one in a public bathroom, and then there's one in a big auditorium, or, or men would fake their death in order to be carried out, again, if it was a bad one. Um, but then there's other ones that even physicians would prescribe communal reading for fever, sleeplessness, stomach hmm. aches. And so there's a number of humorous uh, stories in it as well. Um, but as far as who was doing it, it just literally was, uh, even Pliny, to, to quote a first century author, talks about there was scarcely a day in the month of April that somebody wasn't reading somewhere to someone, um, some, something to someone. So there was just a numerous people reading, and it was almost like the craze of the day. Uh, so there was just a reading craze, and it was the, mm. the trend, almost like if you think of, um, you know, even a number of uh, modern writers note that, you know, kind of Facebook, Twitter, social media are just kind of throwbacks to these ancient modes of sharing news. So do we have any evidence or has any research shown what this communal reading looked like? I mean, was it like, you know, John's third grade class where, you know, everybody took a, you know, a bit and read it? Or was it that there were certain people who were particularly skilled at reading, like master readers, um, and they would read and others would listen? And certainly I think the the answer is almost yes to all of the above. And so there were master readers. There were ones that had notable proficiency, as, as some of them note. But then there was also the teachers would complain that their students wanted to participate so quickly that they tried to fast-track their education. And so some were just wanting to participate. And, and so some of uh, authors during that time complained about how many people were doing it because it kind of brought down 
the uh, almost like the credibility of some of the ones that have put in the time. And so you just have a number of things going on. So again, to your question of what it looked like, it, it just had so many different venues, so many different places um, that it just took on a life of its own. And some people mocked it for degrading literature. I mean, so think of, you know, online, think of the internet today. Uh, you could just Google something and you don't know who wrote it or what their background is or what their education, but here's something that somebody has access to. And it was similar in the first century in that uh, somebody might be reading or reciting something and you don't know anything about uh, their background, their education, their, nobody's vetted them. It's not, um, you know, so everybody was participating. In I, this, I guess it was. So, Brian, talk to us about uh, a textual accuracy. I mean, I'm sure that there are people who were so deeply learned and their minds were so incredibly bright that they knew what was being read, probably, and they were able to, it's maybe as someone read and they were making, you know, uh, an error in their reading material, hashtag fake news, so to speak, that they were right. able to stand up and say, wait a second, that's not what I heard, and they would make corrections to the text. Is, is that far off base? No, that that's actually right on right on target. I'd say that certain first century authors mentioned that their community would get angry and throw away manuscripts if they contained any mistakes. Um, other first century authors would write at length uh, of textual differences and changes to early manuscripts and spelling differences. Uh, Strabo is is one particular one I note in my work of just saying he would go on and say, "Wow, you have all these poets, all these people going around in these recitations." Yet, look at all these errors they're making. Look at some of the manuscripts that are circulating, and they're noting these things. Um, so there was a concerted effort to consistency, um, to reliability. Uh, there's still other first-century authors that um, mention that uh, they would, uh, you know, make corrections on the spot to certain manuscripts uh, that they were being read or that they would take notes. Um, they would read to others in order to get feedback. So you, mm. you just have expounding of text, discussion of text, reading of text. So it's just a lot going on. How rich and wonderful that must have been. What, sure. what about the people who, I'm sure there were people who were specifically reading Christian, whether it was the Bible or Christian readings around that, right, Christian literature, as opposed to maybe a, a general public, you know, book clubbish or the news or things like that. Were there parallel tracks or parallel highways that people were reading at the same time? So maybe I'm just to make sure I'm understanding the question is, were there those in Christian settings looking at manuscripts and discussing those communally? Yes. Yeah, right. I mean, so people reading specifically or explicitly just Christian material as opposed to people reading general interest reading. Oh, got you. Yes, absolutely. So, well, one, you see it in the New Testament. You see, you know, Paul saying, devote yourself to the communal reading of Scripture, First Timothy. Or you see him saying, I put you under oath to have this letter read aloud mm -hmm. to all the brothers, I First see, sure. Thessalonians. Or in Colossians, he says, after you've read it, well, go give it to the, the church in the Laodiceans and make sure you read theirs as well. So you have these groups, these communities, that were reading strictly you know, uh, some of these, but during certain gatherings, it doesn't mean that there was this Christian group that would only read Christian things. Uh, I don't, I never saw that. What you'd see, though, is in certain contexts. So, for example, I note, um, you know, one, one early uh, fragment, they call it the Muratorian fragment or uh, manuscript, uh, talks about, here's this a bishop advised, talking to his church about the Gospel of Peter, advising him, hey, we don't read that here communally, so meaning you can go home and read that at home, but we don't read that here as a church. We don't huh. read that here communally. And so there's a second century manuscript uh, making a distinction of what's read communally versus what you read at home individually. 
And so, and, and there's a number of other authors, whether it's Justin Martyr, um, whether it's uh, Tertullian, just talking about, we read the books of God, or we read the, the memoirs of the apostles. Or, so there are groups that are meeting and I circulating see. around mm-hmm. certain texts very early on. Oh, that's fabulous. Brian Wright is with us. His brand new work is called Communal Reading in the Time of Jesus, A Window into Early Christian Reading Practices. Okay, so if if John and I were Christians in the first century, um, give us a window into what this would have been like for us. Um, how, you know, perhaps we would have, the Gospels would have been circulating, or maybe how we would have been reading letters, depending on what churches, church we were uh, members of? Yes, yeah, so... I see a pretty extensive network uh, among Christians. I mean, just like even the, the last text I just mentioned to you about uh, Paul writing in Colossians and saying, hey, after you've read it, give it to them, and you take theirs and read theirs. So th- there's a circulation of this literature. There's a network um, that that Christians were uh, well, um, you know, uh, well networked with each other and so what it would look like is if you were there there'd be literature that you would read together communally during uh, you know a specific service a worship service so i mean think of I think also um, at some point you, you bring in the Jewish background of this that they would the role of synagogues even in early christian you know uh, origins um, so Paul using the tradi- the uh, terminology of traditions handed down so they're reading those they're reading um, you know certain things with their family at home so you see that there uh, there's an obligation almost to be training up our family so when uh, you know Paul writes hey you were trained by your you know grandmother and your mother and they they read these things at home to you you see that also in first century Judaism see. you see texts like four Maccabees where uh, a father dies leaving I think it was seven kids behind and the mother just talks about praising the father for reading, teaching, and singing the Jewish scriptures at home. Hmm. So, Brian, is there a correlation between the reading of the scripture out loud and how it was eventually found on the printed page? Does that make sense to you? I mean, the yeah. the the work of reading out loud certainly changes the way that the the literature is finally put down on the printed page when it's done in its completion. Yeah, so I would say that things were written down much earlier than maybe some suppose. And so some might think that there was this large gap between this, you know, purely oral tradition, and maybe in the 2nd and 3rd century they started writing things down. I, uh, I think it was much earlier that you see these things that were written down and that were circulating mm-hmm. and that they were using. Um, but I'd also say, uh, to couple with that, is I don't think it was necessarily just, hey, let's gather around, have one person read this aloud for an hour, and then everybody go home. Yeah. What you're seeing in Scripture is an expounding of it, and an interpreting of it, a discussion of it. And so it wasn't just, let's get people around to listen to it read. That's part of it, for sure, and I would never discourage somebody from getting together and just saying, hey, have somebody read it aloud, but I don't think necessarily it's the magic is in the voice speaking it. I think what you're seeing is there's a communal identity and a formation that happens, a spiritual formation that happens when this is being read and discussed, expounded, interpreted um, together as a community. Oh, that's fabulous. Mm -hmm. So bring us to modern day. As you went through the process of unearthing the scholarship of this book. Mm-hmm. Um, did it make you hungry to want to be engaged in communal reading in your communities as well? Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, one of the regrets, if I could say that, uh, of my book 
is not having maybe a, a few chapters of discussing the implications for the modern church. And, and so certainly it's an academic book. It's not a purely a trade book or a popular level book, but I think I've been reached out by a number of pastors and leaders and parents and others that are saying, how do we practice this at home? How do we practice in our churches mm-hmm. or in our schools? Mm-hmm. So you got to follow so, uh, so your question is right on. Uh, and so to get back to me personally, yes, it's influenced uh, classes I teach, uh, things I do in my uh, with my church as well as congregation, as well as as a parent. And, and so I'd say there's certainly a number of ways to practice it. And so first, you know, one of the things I would say to a pastor or a leader, I would say, well, have you identified communal reading as a core value of your church? Um, if your church, in keeping with the New Testament, values communal reading, then it's going to promote and foster that for people. And so one way to do that would be maybe come up with a, a you know, a... a church-wide reading list with various genres, various opportunities for people to meet throughout the week to read together, um, mm-hmm. certainly not as a, as a substitute for Scripture, but a supplement to it. Yes. Um, and also, I'd recommend, you know, maybe starting with a work that people are more familiar with. So I'll give you one personal example. So recently, um, I uh, decided to, to start, uh, I moved here a couple years ago where I'm living now, and decided to, hey, i got a book coming out, I might as well not, not just uh, you know, preach it, I need to practice it. So I got a communal reading group at my church together. And I started off with just, let's uh, read together a work by C.S. Lewis. And just, you know, this is a, f- a person that everyone's familiar with, you've heard the name if you've been in church long enough. And so we started reading certain works outside the Bible uh, to get people familiar to what the context looks like and, and the power and the spiritual formation that happens and the community that happens doing it. And then branch out to, to other, you know, maybe lesser or more unfamiliar names or works, and, and certainly Scripture can be that. So, again, the reading can be broad, it can be narrow, whatever it is, but getting people in community, wrestling with this stuff, talking about how God has worked throughout history uh, is just a beautiful thing. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. Well, So it sounds like you've got a follow-up book in you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Or maybe the second edition, add a few chapters at least. Very nice. Hey, well, Brian, well, thanks a lot. Yeah, I mean, I really love this. It. It's excellent yeah. work, and uh, congratulations, on, uh, congratulations on this, because it, it changed the way that I think about the Bible, and uh, you put a whole different John's tone John's going to want to read to me all the time now, Brian. I mean, I don't <laughs> I know. know. For sure. I'll think of you, okay? That's very well, good. Make sure, make sure you contribute to it, so that, that, <laughs> then, that, then you'll be closer to the first century. Eh? Very Sounds nice. good. So. Thanks, Brian. Brian Wright's been with us. Brand new work, Communal Reading in the Time of Jesus, a window into early Christian reading practices. Brian Wright. The nation's largest Christian music festival, Creation Northeast, celebrating its 40th anniversary, returns to Agape Farm in Mount Union, Pennsylvania, June 27th through the 30th, featuring Toby Mack, For King and Country, Jeremy Camp, Bethel Music, Mandisa, Hillsong Young and Free, Jordan Feliz, a special reunion of classic Petra and more. Plus speakers Tony Nolan, Reed Saunders, Keith Adamson, Abdul Murray, Vince Vitale, and more. Four jam-packed days of music, as well as inspiring worship and teaching on our new worship stage, where the Word of God is shared in spirit and in truth. Plus children's entertainment, candle lighting service, camping under the stars, and more. Join thousands of believers at Creation Northeast, with over 75 bands and speakers, June 27th through the 30th. Tickets and more available online at creationfest.com. Don't miss out on Creation Northeast. It will be the highlight of your summer. Maybe your life. More info at creationfest.com. Great experiences are meant to be shared. How about the experience of a great night's sleep? This is John Hall, and I've been sharing with you about my pillow for a long time. It's truly the most comfortable pillow I've ever owned. 
It's machine washable, dryable, never loses its shape, and it gives me the support I need no matter what position I'm in. And it comes with Mike Lindell's famous 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Once you experience my pillow, I'm sure that you'll love it too. And you're going to want to share that great experience with somebody else, which is great because right now you get two premium my pillows and free shipping for one low price. Just call 1-800-961-9207, mention the promo code WORD to start enjoying the best sleep of your life, or type it in when you visit MyPillow.com to get your two premium MyPillows with free shipping today. That's 1-800-961-9207, or visit MyPillow.com, use the promo code WORD. When you're a kid, Idlewild is a place full of adventures. There are rides that are just your size, treats to tickle your taste buds, and special friends like Daniel Tiger to touch your heart. When you're a grown-up, Idlewild is every bit as magical, every bit as memorable, every bit as fun. Idlewild and Soak Zone, because you love to see them smile. Right now, buy a season pass. Just $59.99 online at Idlewild.com. It's time to drive into summer with a brand new Chevy from Calusi Chevrolet. Hi, this is Tun Chilkin. Did you know that the team at Calusi has been serving Pittsburgh for a hundred years? That's right. Since 1918, Calusi Chevrolet has been a trusted name you can depend on for great deals and great service. Whether you're in the market for a new or pre-owned vehicle, you need to check out their 100th anniversary sale going on right now. Calusi Chevrolet. Find them online at Calusi.com. Chevrolet. Find new roads. With high pressure and control, skies mainly clear tonight, a low of 56, setting up another comfortable day tomorrow with low humidity, mostly sunny, a high of 80. Partly sunny Saturday, a high of 82, then hot and humid starting Sunday. Partly sunny, we can see a spotty afternoon thunderstorm in the laurels, a high of 90. Hot and humid Monday with sun and some clouds again, an afternoon shower or thunderstorm possible in the laurels with a high of 92. I'm Mackie Weather Meteorologist Steve Travis on 101.5 Word FM. birthday to boy george yeah yeah he's 57 today this song is insufferably dumb what 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 is he singing he's saying karma 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 chameleon oh i thought he was saying come on come on chameleon no karma oh karma yeah like you come and how did he have a career he had a big career he was an international star 57 years old. Today. Boy George. Were you a Boy George fan? New Mike. <laughs> that was, I took that as a no. That's a positive no. Did you have a, did you, next to your Credence uh, cassette tape that you've talked about before, uh, did you have a companion Boy George cassette? Mm. I was deathly afraid of him when I was you little. Were. Yeah. Now here's the weird thing. So what we considered, you know, an androgynous oddity back in the 80s, whenever Boy George uh, reached the zenith of his fame, in many ways has become mainstream celebrity, right? right. right? Thank goodness music like that hasn't become mainstream. <laughs> Thank God. Right, how did Karma Chameleon end up like a top 10 hit? I don't know. I mean, I you know, just, 
It's just a you know kind of a little funky tune that just sort of sticks in your head. That's all. I don't think it. It the, sticks in your head. Come on. It yeah. I'll, but I'll like, think about this song the rest of the day. Like, but it's like come an earworm. Yeah, it's like. But it's not sticking in your head because come it's so great. Come. It's sticking in your head because it's, it's awful. It I don't is mind it. awful. I don't mind it. Oh come on! I don't mind it. You don't it. mind it? No. Oh. I mean, oh believe me. I can think of a lot more atrocious songs oh, than no. that song. Oh no! I I that's. That doesn't bother me at all. It's got to be. In my, top, one, in my top ten most atrocious songs. That's there for sure. Be. What? Oh, yeah. Name one worst song? Yeah. Uh, the Monster Mash. Okay. What? <laughs> that's okay. pretty good. That's pretty bad, too. Right? Yeah, that you don't know good. that song? I love The Monster Mash. Oh, please. That's the worst song in the history of music. It's better than Karma Chameleon. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Uh, also, uh, so Boy George, 57 today. Yeah. We would be remiss if we did not say happy birthday to President Trump. Yes, who is Woo. 72 years old 72. today. 72. And he must be celebrating uh, with a lot of... Gusto. Gusto. Mm-hmm. Based on the last week, he said. I wonder, you know... You know uh, over the years, cele- celebrities have gone into the recording studio, oftentimes ill-advised. Like mm-hmm. when William Shatner produced his own uh, <laughs> album yeah. of music. Yeah, that was, I wonder if the president that was himself, an unfortunate choice. It was. I wonder if the president himself has ever been in a recording studio doing you know, some well, sort of Well, it seems like fun. every president, um, every sitting president who's a Democrat, um, records an audio book and then gets an Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> or not an Emmy, a Grammy. Yeah. 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 So it's an unfortunate trend. I have a feeling that that will not continue with the current president because uh, of the know. open-mindedness of the uh, recording industry establishment. Could be, yeah. Anyway, uh, happy birthday to uh, President Trump and the boy George. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Uh, we got a lot more ahead. It's the ride home with John and Kathy. Stick around. WORD. Coming up on Love Worth Finding. Did you think the Christian life would be easy? God has not promised that we would not know difficulty. He has promised never to leave us, never to forsake us, but he has not promised that we will never have difficulty. Now, if difficulty comes, you may be ready to quit. Adrian Rogers studies the champions of faith this month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. I've been in the uh, Kairos prison ministry for a little over 10 years now. Meet Dwight, longtime volunteer with Kairos Prison Ministry. A team of 20 to 24 men go in on the inside of the prison and spend three and a half days explaining the gospel of Jesus Christ. As I participated in the first weekend and I saw how men's lives were changed, it just became something I fell in love with. We present talks and meditations, and over the course of this time, they'll be in small groups, and they'll talk about what they've heard. I've seen guys that are just hardened. At the end of these three and a half days, they're totally transformed. They come away with a sense of hope, and they have something to live for. Nothing is impossible with God. I've seen it happen. Being part of Kairos is like having a front row seat to see God change lives right in front of you. And to be able to give the gift of hope to one of these incarcerated men, that's something that you'll never forget. Call 412-368-6691 to become a volunteer. Kairos Prison Ministry, 412-368-6691. Spring is here. Get your kids off the consoles and get them playing outside. And what better motivation to do so than a new Amish-built playhouse from Yoder's Backyard Structures. Yoder's Playhouses come with free delivery and a 10-year warranty with painted wood or vinyl siding with colors to match your home. Plus options for electric, laminate floors, porch swings, finished interiors, and more. Flower boxes come standard. And when the kids outgrow it, it easily converts into an adult-sized shed. Explore outdoor fun at yodersbackyard.com. 
In my message today, we'll discover that he's been your guide to God's Word for years, Chuck Swindoll. The lesson couldn't be more obvious. He helps you start your day, end your day, or get your inspiration in the middle of the day. But now Insight for Living faces an urgent financial challenge that could impact your ability to hear Chuck. Log on to Insight.org, Insight.org, or call 800-772-8888, Saturday, June 23rd, Epic Leaf Entertainment proudly presents Big Daddy Weed. Live at the Belmont Complex in Katanning with special guest, Citizen Way. Tickets on sale now at showflix.com. Big Daddy Weed, 8 p.m. live. Doors open at 6 p.m. Don't miss Big Daddy Weed, June 23rd. Sponsored by J&D Waterproofing. You know the moment. The homework and dishes are done. Your family responsibilities have been met. The shoes slip off and you lay back. It's that end of day. Ah, That's the relief you'll feel when you rest on the body-comforting orthopedic made locally at the original Mattress Factory. Relief from middleman markups and a hard day's work. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made, honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com I was working in the lab late one night. <laughs> See, that's a horrible song. That's just a ridiculous song. A little bit of Bobby Pickett for you. Is that who it is? Bobby Pickett? Is that a one-hit wonder? We can only hope. Whoever that guy was, he made a lot of money. 1962. It was a great This so at our wedding. Yeah. My husband and I got married yeah, October yeah. 24th. And um we got played that song? Well, listen, we got together with our uh, DJ ahead of time, yeah. and he had a really good idea. Tell us songs that you do not want us to play, which I think is great. <laughs> I think so, so we too. listed like our most hated songs. Yeah. I want you to know that probably Karma Chameleon was on that list, though I can't remember it for sure. Anyway, at the conclusion of our wedding, he played that. That? What? Now, here's the thing, because it was almost Halloween. Because it was almost uh, Halloween, yeah. right? Now, yeah. we, of course, had not thought of putting <laughs> Monster song. Mash on our list of songs not to play, but we wished we would have. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, would you rather hear Monster Mash or Karmic Chameleon? Uh, Monster Mash. I'd I would rather, rather hear Karmic Chameleon. I would rather hear Monster Mash. No, yes. come on. Oh, yeah, I would. Definitely. I would. Oh, oh gosh. Idiotic. Oh, okay. It's National Bath Day. Yeah, so every Inter- day. International Bath Day. Right. Uh, every day has this list of... What? Right. I, I consider them to be sort of... Um, Made up holidays. Yes. It's some, Fabri- some lobbyists Fabricated celebrations. Yeah. So here, here's the idea on International Bath Day. Uh, International Bath Day, you fill up a lovely bath for your children. Realize that bath time is a great time to discover and learn. How to observe. Make bath time fun. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. That, I mean, what the heck? Just get in a bath right. Listen, but did you not love giving your kids a bath? Yeah. That was fun. When our kids were, you know, wait. This is a great story. I have. I tell you, okay. my daughter's nineteen. Yeah, she, she used to love her bath. So when she was like maybe two years old, okay, she wanted she she refused to get out of the bath until all the water was gone. Oh. Okay, which is a very cold approach, but yeah. whatever. And she sudsy. Was, she was like two and a half, but whatever. Okay, but this is what she would do. She would lay on her stomach in the bathtub, mm-hmm. okay, and she would watch the water going down. You know, nice, the little, down you know, the drain. Yeah, sure. yeah, right. And when the wa- <laughs> when the water was done, and, and it was all, she would put her mouth close to the drain opening, 
and she would pray into the drain. <laughs> oh my she God. would say, Lord. <laughs> well, it was so hilarious. I mean, my husband, it was like high comedy. I mean, she did this for I don't know how long. She would pray, pray. into the drain. It was living water. I, I, <laughs> right? Anyway, I'm sure she's happy that I'm sharing that. Very now. nice. Yes. At the age of 19. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, did you ever take a bath with your kids? I don't recall ever doing that. I did on a regular basis. Okay. They would say, come on in. We'd like just jump in. The, we, the three of us would get in there. Sure. Me and my two boys. Sure. One on the other side. It was just a lot of fun. I mean, they had to be very small. Because, they were tiny. Right. I mean, what do you say? Well, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, there was some water displa- displacement when I got in there. Okay, anyway, so history has it, that um, a legend has it, that on this day, Greek mathematician, scientist, and scholar Archimedes discovered that while taking a bath – that an object's volume could be accurately measured by being submerged in water. Mm-hmm. Unable to contain his excitement, Archimedes leapt out of his bathtub and yelled, Eureka, Eureka, as he ran through the streets of Syracuse, Greece. Archimedes' exact date of birth is not known, only the year. So the day chosen to commemorate is the day that he leapt out of the bathtub, June 14th. And then Did he not ran say they the covered- street? Yeah. Was, it, was he naked? I hope. They did not say if he was covered in a robe or a towel. <laughs> eureka, Eureka. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, International bath day. Okay. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. You know what I wish I had? Um, a clawfoot bathtub. One oh, of those big ones. Yeah. Did you ever have one? No. In a couple of houses that I lived in, we had clawfoot. Yeah, I like that. Very nice. It's very big. Mm-hmm. You know, bathtubs that you buy now are you no, know, no, half no. that. Yeah. In, our, in, our, in this house that we moved in now, we did not have a shower. In the, in the bathroom, for some odd reason. There was a sh- there's a shower in the basement, which... The which four- everybody wants to use. Who wants to use a shower in the basement? Anyway, so we, we regularly had baths like for two years before we went and, and put a shower into the house. So just, you know... See, I don't like baths. I don't mind a bath. I don't, I don't like baths. I mean, I think I love baths for relaxing. Yeah. But right, I, but not for the business of getting clean. It yeah, takes a while. Plus, you're, you're lying not, in dirty water. You're right. laying in your own stew of dirt right that does that's not appealing yeah right plus let's be brutally honest about how clean your bathtub has to be for you to oh, enjoy yes, a bath yes. oh no you it keeps yeah. you keeps your bathtub you have clean. to be you have your bathtub has to be in tip-top yes. shape right. no soap scum please none of that mm-hmm. right and you also want to have your like your faucet and everything like looking good because you're staring so. at it yeah, yeah right? right and what if your faucet isn't looking good and then you sit there and you're like oh great now i gotta oh, look at that <laughs> Moments of self-loathing in your bathtub. Um, When I was maybe third grade, um, I was reading The Mystery of the Moss-Covered Mansion, which Mm -hmm. is a Nancy Drew book, uh, for the – I don't know. I I love this book. I read it at least like eight, nine, ten times. And the last time I read it, and I know it was the last time, simply because I dropped it. Uh, I was reading it in the bathtub, dropped it in the bathtub. Book fell apart. That oh, was of course it. it did. It was over. She got the waterproof version, like the waterproof Bible. Right, you know, right. I don't, did they, they, they have a waterproof Bible? Yeah, yeah I wouldn't think. Probably for yeah. camping and things like that. Sure. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. They really have a waterproof yeah. Bible? Yes. Of course they do. Yeah. My buddy has one. Yeah. I would regularly lie in the tub and read the newspaper. Which did is, you ever drop it in? It would get wet because, you know, you would like turn the pages right. and your hands are wet. And, mm-hmm. But it was just the newspaper. But what if, you're, what if the water's warm and you're getting a little sleepy? Oh, I think that's what happened with the moss-covered mansion. <laughs> take, a little, take a little nap. I think that's what it yeah. was. I don't know. I think baths are underrated. I, you, you got to love a bath. I need a, a nicer tub to really enjoy it, I think. Yeah. What do you think a, a, claw, a claw tub would cost you? Like a nice one. A new one? No, no new or used. Oh, well, I, I, you can probably get a new clawfoot tub for $1,500. You think? Yes. 
Huh. You could spend up to five thousand on oh, that, I'm sure, sure. Could, but I would yeah, say yeah. fifteen hundred would get you, you know, entry okay. level clawfoot. Right, once you get your kitchen, I mean, done. if you find one, you know, at a, a rummage sale, you, you, a they rummage probably sale. they probably give it to you for eighteen dollars, and it would because they don't want to move it. It probably get weighs that, five thousand pounds. I bet it does. Not yeah. five thousand. Yes. 500. All right. Well, happy International Bath Day. Take a break. Come back and. Um, we're kind of floating right now. Aren't we're we? not floating. No, it feels like you're we're floating, floating. <laughs> in the tub. It's an amazing song. You know, I've never told anybody my story. Bring home the number one inspirational movie of the year. I can only imagine. Now on DVD. With three hours of extras, including a behind-the-scenes look at Mercy Me and more. The story behind the beloved song that inspired millions. My dad was a monster, and I saw God transform him, and so I wrote this song for my dad. I can only imagine. Available now on DVD, Blu-ray, and digital. Rated PG. It's time to drive into summer with a brand new Chevy from Calusi Chevrolet. Hi, this is Tun Chilkin. Did you know that the team at Calusi has been serving Pittsburgh for a 100 years? That's right. Since 1918, Calusi Chevrolet has been a trusted name you can depend on for great deals and great service. Whether you're in the market for a new or pre-owned vehicle, you need to check out their 100th anniversary sale going on right now. Calusi Chevrolet. Find them online at Calusi.com. Chevrolet. Find new roads. A more peaceful, healthy world happens one person at a time. Around the globe, there are children who dream of helping their families, who hope for the future, and who have a name. Know the person you're helping directly at Unbound.org. Hey, uh, we have been heavy into studies. You know, academia is just full of people doing particular studies on very, I would say, arcane subjects. Subjects that you kind of well, go, that's I mean that's part of what the academy is for. But okay, listen to this. Here's the, here's the headline: Religious people live four years longer than atheist study finds. Oh, okay. Well, so we've heard we've heard these types of stories for years about yes. how it's being religious is better for your mental health. Right, right. Being religious is better for your psychological health. Being religious is better for your physical health, for dealing with disease, mm-hmm. for dealing with loss of job, for exactly. dealing with All life that. trauma. It's okay, better so, to be in church. Okay, so this latest one is from what? Uh, Augusta University. This is from Ohio State Psychology Department. The Ohio, the Ohio State? State. Yes, thank you. Churchgoers appear to live up to four years longer than atheists, at least according to analysis of 1,000 obituaries published across the United States. The Ohio State psychologist researchers behind the study insist that there is merit to the connection people with religious affiliations often volunteer and engage in social activities throughout their lives, something routinely tied to longer lifespans. Mm -hmm. Except that's not the only thing. They found that the socializing only appeared to boost longevity by a year at most, suggesting other elements of religious life, such as low alcohol intake, could contribute. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't it supposed to be that you drink a glass of wine a day, you're supposed to live longer? Mm-hmm. So what is it? Well, I don't know. Or you just know. drink A. Or, or you just pick what study you want to follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so Lara Wallace, a doctoral student in psychology at the Ohio State University, says, quote, there's still a lot of benefit of religious affiliation that this study can't explain. 
Mm -hmm. The study proves persuasive evidence that there is a relationship between religious participation and how long a person lives. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Is there any truth to this at all? Well, it's research. It's a study. It's a study. Yeah. Yeah, so what so, they did was they looked at obituaries and from people who were religious as opposed to non-religious people. How would you even determine that based upon the wording in their obituary? In the study, people whose obits mentioned a religious affiliation mm-hmm. lived an average of 5.64 years longer than those whose obits did not. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you could still be religious and not just mention it in your obituary. But I guess if it was important to you, you would mention it in your obituary. Are you trying to wreck this study? <laughs> I'm just trying to poke a hole in the ridiculousness of it all. It's not ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It, isn't. it is. It isn't. It's just it's a thing. It's data. Data is not ridiculous. Data is. You just have to figure out what to do with it. Yeah, I, I just I don't know what the yeah. What do you, what do you do with this? What? The, so is it supposed to? It's not a tool of evangelization. Hey, become religious so you can live longer. I mean, really? I think it's a study of human behavior. I think that could be persuasive to people who are in the academy thinking, well, gee, maybe people who believe in God aren't idiots. Yeah. And maybe they have a better life and they live longer because or maybe, of it, I maybe guess. it's actually beneficial. It may be, or what if, mm-hmm. horror of horrors, there actually was something to it? What if it was actually something real and not something that was just a figment of somebody's imagination? Yeah. I mean, I would believe that there's truth to this. Well, you didn't sound like it a few minutes well, ago. I just don't know what the point is. I mean, you know, okay, great. So, with, well, so now that you know what? What? Now that we know that people who are religious may live longer, may live longer, then what does that mean? So what? I mean, I'm not going to follow well, religion or follow Jesus in the hopes that I'm going to live longer. I'm going to live eternal life. Well, I'm saying, but what about people in the academy who would read this type of research study? It would be released to the public, and it would just be a general mode of convincing other people that it's a valid way of life, that believing in God is a valid lifestyle. Fine. Well, so that's the purpose of it. No, I just don't that's get it. That's what I see the purpose I, of it. Like well, just, well, do you, I mean, I don't think most people run their research studies past you to see whether you think they're valid or Clearly not. Clearly they don't, and I don't want them to. Because I think no most of it's going ridiculous. To. I mean, for heaven's sake. I just think it's foolish, really. We were just talking about karma chameleon. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I think this is, it probably has more educational merit than that. Um, I don't know. Well, it may, may have more you know, religious or educational, but a lot less fun. A lot less. Can you imagine sitting around reading obituaries? Well, that's what your gig is? Well, it's not your – that's just a part of your research. It's like your scientific research. I'm going to go and read a thousand obituaries. I think you should be a little – I mean, relax it a little bit. I'm just, you know. Anyway. What other day is, is today? Uh, Mike, I, oh, I understand yeah, yeah, yeah. you have some audio for us because okay. if, if Karma Chameleon wasn't annoying enough, we have something else. This is good. This is really good. Um, okay. When you were a little kid, you had a, a little – Ugh. Everybody had one. No, I loved it. Everybody had one of these, right? The Jack in the Box. Why was that supposed to be a good toy for kids? Well, because it was always a surprise. It was, yeah, it, or, or a terror. It was an, It was truly anxiety-inducing. It was. And once you knew what it was, then you have this sense, I just had it now, this sense of trepidation <laughs> as the song goes on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the cool thing is, so wait, today's National Jack in the Box Day? It's National Pop Goes the Weasel Day, which National is really Pop dumb. Uh, what, it's a really what, dumb day to celebrate, but listen. It, what are know, the words to the, to the song, Mike? All around know? the mulberry bush, the monkey chased the weasel. The weasel thought it was all in fun. Pop 
goes the weasel. Well, I did not know that you knew that. Really? You didn't yeah. know all around the mulberry bush? No, I That's did a not. lot better than Karma Chameleon. <laughs> I'll tell you that it, I'll, I might agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you go on YouTube and you type in, you know, uh, what, the, the, the search, uh, what would the search engine be? Uh, kids terrified by Jack in the Box. Yes, you'll see video after video of kids oh who are gosh. probably scarred for life. Oh, my Because <laughs> this dumb toy. <laughs> no. I mean, it's, it's, it is hysterical to see these, these sweet little kids and the look of... Anticipation as the no, song holds it's, forth. No, it's not anticipation. It's dread. Here it comes. It's dread. Everybody knows it's coming. And then when it does come, it's, you know, makes you nuts. Horrible thing we do to yes, our children. Yes. On this day in history, uh, 1951, mm-hmm. the first commercial computer, Univac 1, unveiled. Really? Was that IBM? I don't know what it was. That's a good question. Univac 1. Yeah. It sounds like a it, behemoth. It probably was. The size of more than several refrigerators. It actually sounds like a vacuum. Univac, That's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Univac One coming now. I'm sure the computing first power here. First commercial computer produced in the United States uh, by J. Presper Eckert and John Mouchley, the inventors of the ENIAC. <laughs> The ENIAC. Mm-hmm. What that, is the ENIAC? I don't know. It's capital E N I A C, all caps. So it's a. Uh, hey, pass the ENIAC, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll have a little. Yeah, give me a little dash of ENIAC. Yeah, the first Univac was accepted by the U.S. Census Bureau March thirty first, nineteen fifty one, and dedicated on June fourteenth that year. The Census Bureau. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? They were yeah. doing. The fifth machine was used by CBS to predict the result of the 1952 presidential election. How'd that go? I wonder if that was spot on. Um, I actually don't know. But with a sample of just one, oh, with a sample of just one percent of the voting population, it famously predicted an Eisenhower landslide, while the conventional wisdom favored Adelaide Stevenson. Oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Okay, so then we all bought into the power of computing. 1951. I'm looking at the operating console of the Univac One, and it looks kind of like. Uh, an air traffic control console. Hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder what the computing power, as opposed to you know the you know my phone. In I my bet hand. it's a lot less than what you're is. holding in your hand. The Univac. I'm looking at a photograph of it right now, and it's enormous. It's like room size. That's cool. Yeah. I wonder what ever happened to those machines. You know, whenever they were taken out of service, were they put in storage somewhere in a museum, or were they just sold for their scrap? Hmm. Right. Remember, remember punch cards. Oh, my gosh. I forgot about punch cards. Yeah, I used a punch right. card for my first job did when you? I was in high school. You did? Yeah. What did at you do? Kaufman's. You had punch cards yeah. at Kaufman's? Uh-huh. Those little long, yeah. right? long rectangles. With a little... T- I forgot about that. Pull it out of yeah. there. There were a few hanging chads in those, Oh, I bet there? there were. Yeah. I tried to hang a couple chads when I came in late. What did you do with those punch cards at Kaufman's? Yeah, you... We had... Um, this is when I was... I think I got my first job when I was 16. And you would come into the employee room and there was like a long metal... Um, thing that hung on the wall oh, for your time card yeah, and on all of our time cards were in there and you'd pull your time card out yeah. and you'd put it in and it would go chunk into the time clock right into yeah. the time clock and then you'd put it back yeah yeah but by the well, time no, that's not a, that's not a punch card what, what is it no a punch card you know remember like you know they were they would f- be programmed individually and then fed into a computer I think essentially the punch cards held code you oh know, I don't an, know an early no, aspect of code no I don't know that oh yeah no, I, like, I was know, going back to my time clock. Just a time card, yeah. Well, that's just a time card. Well, don't you know? be dismissive about it. It's well, how I, I got paid. Yeah, of course. I mean, I had time cards as well. I worked at Macy's at a time. I always hated that. Oh, I did too. It was, felt like, you know, the, 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 the sound itself was like, mm-hmm. 
what we own you. Yes, it was like kind that. of like welcome this, to the workers' paradise. Exactly. It was a little disheartening. Yeah, right? it really was. Yeah. Made me think of like Russians on the steppe barely surviving. Russians we, on the steppe? Uh-huh, S-T-E-P-P-E, the steppe in Russia. Oh, gee, boy, that's... All of a sudden, sorry, I, I went like all dark, like... Dark, dark, dark. All right. Boris Pasternak on you. Are you posting um, things on Facebook? I've already posted things on Facebook. We'd love to hear your uh, opinion on what you thought of the um, Kim Fook interview. Oh, yes. The Napalm Girl. Absolutely amazing first hour of our show. If you missed it today, one of the I think one of the most amazing interviews we've ever heard here on our show. Very nice. And the communal Bible reading. Right. As well. You can find that on Facebook as well. Okay. Well, have yourself a great night. And, uh, Happy Thursday. And we will see you tomorrow, God willing. It's gorgeous out there. Like us, please go out and enjoy the day. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.